We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. Today, I'm here with Josh and Mark. Hi, I'm Josh Allen, vice president of clinical strategy. Hi, I'm Mark Bivens, vice president of sales. Today, we're here with Jordan Ballou, clinical assistant professor of pharmacy practice at Ole Miss School of Pharmacy. She also leads clinical programs at Tyson Drug, um, the network facilitator for CPSN Mississippi, and leads the efforts for the Flip the Pharmacy in Mississippi. I'm so excited to be here. I know. We're excited to be here with you. She let me know that she's probably watched more of the podcast than we have oh. yesterday. <laughs> nice. I, well, when, when Madison emailed me, I said, I'm a big fan, both of Pioneer RX and the podcast. So I, um, I do. I listen, I've listened to pr- almost all the episodes. I think they're just so much fun and I love how casual it is. And, um, you know, you talk pharmacy, but you also just talk about nonsense. And I just think it's so great. <laughs> that that <laughs> pretty much, that hits us to a T. I think. So it's <laughs> pharmacy and nonsense. So that pharma- sums it up. Pharmacy, pretty. you rename it, you know, the, the Catalyst Pharmacy and Nonsense Podcast. <laughs> pretty, this is the most summed up version yeah. I've ever heard of what this is. There you go. I, like I got it. your tagline. Pharmacy and nonsense. I, I like you. <laughs> oh we, we need a revision. I've never been pegged so accurately before. <laughs> well, I have met you, you know, That's so it, true. Didn't, it didn't take much. He knows a lot about pharmacy and nonsense. And nonsense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we operate on the PG-13 movement where you get one F-bomb and then we have to edit you out. Yeah, then, then we edit you. Is it just one? Yeah. If you go beyond one, you get an R rating automatically. It's very interesting. I watched a show about the history of that. I don't remember if it was a show. Maybe I was at a tour. They talked about the history of the rating system and how the interesting NBA. it was. Um, yeah. And and how it came in and kind of went out and came in. Early t- early movies were pretty risque. Yeah. It was pretty oh, wild. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a fair amount of nudity like pre-1940s. like 1940s. Yeah. Oh, no, it was great. Well, that was, you know, if you look at how, you know, they say that that's kind of what built the internet, right? Uh, you know, Oh yeah, <laughs> college boys. Well, that's that's what built the movie industry was the this kind of risque kind of huh. pushing the limits. Yeah, it wasn't the Charlie Chaplin stuff didn't build movie industry, and, and so there was uh, you know that's what come in a lot of the controls and stuff had to do with that. But there was some pretty crazy stuff going on in early movies. I, I mean, it was after the Roaring Twenties, dude. They got weird. That's true. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they brought alcohol back, right? All that got nuts. Makes sense. Brought it back. <laughs> Quote like, the more you read you about prohibition, the more you're like, alcohol. yeah, they were, yeah, it never went away. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason Kentucky's big in bourbon now. Right. Yeah. I read where- And there's uh, our nonsense for yeah, the Yeah, there's day. our nonsense. One, <laughs> one more nonsense fact. Yeah. Uh, uh, how did we get there? I, I read where Winston <laughs> Churchill- edited. Winston Churchill, when he came to visit the U.S., he had his doctor write in prescription for as much alcohol as yeah. he needed. <laughs> so- and Churchill was a raging alcoholic. Yeah, that guy so. needed it. So. I was going to say it was probably a lot. It had to have been a <laughs> it lot. It was. I think so. I Interestingly, sure. that probably was the right thing to do for Churchill because he was a huge alcoholic. Oh. Right. Yeah, he, he probably got a little shaky without without his drinks. Yeah. He had to get he had to go dark. All right, that's fine. Well, welcome to America. Here's your DTs. Go ahead. <laughs> have you ever well, had well, a seizure? Well, we've got to hit drugs. <laughs> 
alcohol yeah. Alcohol and promiscuity. Yeah. So now go. that now that we're we've good. covered the vices, I think we're <laughs> off to the races. Right. Yeah. All right. So it's it's let let's let's move to about Jordan a little <laughs> right. bit. I know uh, I've been uh, out for a couple of days and hadn't seen these guys, so I'm sure they're acting yeah. out for me. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us, I, I think what you get to you do is super interesting um, as far as what you get to do in your life. So, so tell us a little bit about. Uh, just, let's just start. Tell us a little bit how you got into to sure, being yeah. a, a a college professor. And then how you managed to score, being able to do some work as well. And tell us all about it. Yeah. Well, I feel like my pharmacy origin story is so similar to so many other people that I meet, particularly in the independent pharmacy world. Um, I don't have any family in pharmacy, nobody in healthcare. My parents both own small businesses. And, um, you know, and so, but my summer after my freshman year of college, my mom was like, you can't sit around all day. You have to get a job. (laughs) And so. Nice. She was like, you know, um, Elaine from the church, from church, her husband just opened a pharmacy and, and they need a clerk. And so I started working in a pharmacy. It's called community pharmacy. They're a pioneer store, um, in, in, um, uh, in Moorhead city, North Carolina. So Michael Wright and Mark LaRoque are the owners there. And, um, I worked for them for 10 years before I finished pharmacy school. So I worked off and on as a technician and then, um, as an intern, and I got to work one day as a pharmacist before I went on to residency. And so I really had every job in that place. Um, and they instilled so much in me about caring for your patients and really treating people um, as if they were a member of your family. And and I I value that so much because it really drove my passion for caring for people and for community pharmacy. And I went on to do residency, and, and I, a lot of my life, I feel like, has just been sort of uh, chances that I said yes to, uh, that, you know, it wasn't that I had this really like goal sheet of what I was going to achieve. It was just kind of like, oh, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yes, let's let's do it. And so I did I did a community residency with UNC and um, my my program director was like, hey, I'm a faculty member and, and you have a lot of similar personality traits to me. Maybe you should be a faculty member, too. And I was just like, OK, sure. <laughs> and so I um, I started looking at faculty jobs during my residency and I heard about this position here at Ole Miss. Um, I had uh, interviewed at, at PPS at ASHP and at, had interviewed like a little short 30 minute interview and, and loved the people that I met there. And they were so great. And then, um, about a month after that, I had not put in my application yet, but I was at a CPESN early, early meeting in North Carolina. And I met Bob Lominick, who I now work with, who mm-hmm. I is my, the owner of my practice site. And I met him and didn't know him. And he was like, wait, aren't, aren't you um, coming down to interview for a position in, in Mississippi? And I was like, actually, yeah, I, I am. <laughs> and, and I was like, that to me, I was like, that's fate, right? Like, how did yeah. I just meet this man randomly in North Carolina? Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got to be here. I, I, um, in my job, I practice two days a week at, at an independent community pharmacy, um, Tyson Drug Company in Holly Springs, Mississippi. And then I um, am our coordinator of skills-based development, so I do a lot in skills lab with our students and simulation. I am the network facilitator for CPES in Mississippi and, and mm-hmm. really involved and engaged in CPESN. And I was, even as a student, I got to work in CPESN stores before they were even called CPESN when it was still just the Community Care North Carolina Project. So, um, and I I love getting to show students that there's there's better to community pharmacy than maybe what they see or have heard from other people. 
And so that's kind of my main driver of, of my passion and excitement. I, I teach an elective called Beyond Dispensing that's all about um, that. So lots of different things. I wear a lot of hats and I think all faculty members, we wear a lot of hats, but I, um, I love it. I, I just, I, you know, I think it's so awesome to, to get to be in this opportunity to impact students and to really hopefully change the, the future and the outlook of pharmacy for them. So that's, that's really, really, cool. lo- really long story, but no, that's, that's, no, that's, that's really cool. So it sounds like it, from it, from your academic side, um, you're really kind of pushing that, Hey, retail, I think I hear from Josh all the time where in uh, pharmacy school, you kind of get taught, Hey, you're not a pharmacist unless you're going down the super clinical health system route. Um, yeah. and it sounds like you're like, no, that's not the case. Um, you can do right, all of those yeah. things in a community practice and, and starting them off at, at pharmacy school level with that. Right. Um, well, I mean, I, I literally had an intern leave yesterday and, you know, she's at, um, North Texas here and they were like, you know, independent pharmacy is probably dying. You're like, that's what they really, huh. in, in those words, like it, it, that, I mean, I heard that at UT in 2008, they're like, oh, wow. independent pharmacy is not going to be around. And yeah. I would have never, based on what I was educated in pharmacy school, I would have never taken a job with an independent right out of school because I had a Just perception based, that right, based it, was on a, what they're it was a doomed thing. Yeah. yeah. So you're, uh, you're beyond dispensing classes an elective. Is it popular? Yeah. yeah, actually I filled, we filled all, all seats last, um, in, a, in the first offering, which was this past fall. Um, and it's only, it's only 30 students, but it was so, so much fun. I brought in all these leaders from, um, both Mississippi and um, nationally, I had in. Of course, Bob came. Chris cool. Cornelison came. Amina came in. Oh wow, um, man! You got yeah, yeah. you you traipsed yeah, there. Yeah, it, it was virtual, right? So it was virtual. So we, they just got to zoom in, which was great. Yeah. Um, and so we even had. And then of course, I have a a counterpart who is um, an adjunct faculty member with Walgreens, and so we kind of worked with Walgreens too, and had a couple Walgreens people come in mm-hmm. and talk about the different side of what they're doing. And so that was really eye opening for me as well. And of course, I'm. I say I'm. I'm um, brainwashed in the independent world. I, I'm, that's that's all I've ever worked in, and right. I made it all the way through pharmacy school only being an independent. But but even that was really eye opening for me, and I hope it was for our students too. That you can be a different kind of chain pharmacist too. Um, you know, to to show that side to them. But yeah, it's. Um, we we talked about a ton of different clinical topics, and the whole goal was that at the end they did a. Uh, Shark Tank pitch of a business plan. Oh, and so cool. we had them nice. coming up with needle exchange programs. They had um, HIV medication and testing programs. They had developed, collab- you know, hypothetical collaborative practices for pharmacogenomic testing. So they were really innovative. Wow. And I was so impressed. They came up with all these ideas even before we got to it in class. And, um, and then they got to supplement it with what they learned in the classroom. So it was really fun. And I had, then I had the guest speakers come back and be the the sharks. Oh, great. That's so cool. And and say whether or not they'd fund their project, you know, was it, was it a worthwhile funding adventure, um, funding venture for them. So, yeah. I I wonder what new project Amina's got going on right now. Then (laughs) she bought, she bought, she bought from Ole Miss. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. And, and they loved her. I mean, of course she's an amazing speaker. So, um, the students were like the, the pharmacogenomic lecture was my favorite one. And it's just because Amina's so much fun to listen to. I mean, her passion just it seeps out of her pores. It, it's, it's such a amazing. smooth passion and, too. And, and right? it's, it affects, not a, it's not a crazy. It affects you know, everyone. My passion yeah. is my arms are swinging and things are getting Yeah, hit. that's true. People, People kind of like oh. getting out of the way. <laughs> but her passion is like this, this, this. It's like you don't know it, right? This yeah. smooth. This blanket that sneaks yeah. up on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of wraps you around, gives you a big hug. Wraps yep. you in it. 
Yeah. Call it the Passion Ninja. Right. Passion Ninja. Yeah, more like the Passion Gandhi kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. Oh, that's yeah. better. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so no, that's no. led you into uh, being what I just learned about. I didn't know this existed, which is act for pharmacy as well. Tell us yeah, a little so, bit about what that is. I, I did not know about it. Yeah, so it's it's the it stands for and it's an acronym within an acronym. It is, so get ready. It get it's ready. the Academia <laughs> CPESN Transformation. So ACT ACT mm-hmm. uh, Collaborative. And so this was um, I guess it's been about two years now we've been doing this. But it was basically a collaboration between schools of pharmacy and CPESN to to say that we as academia, we as faculty affirm practice transformation in community pharmacy. Um, And so really working as kind of a part of what I would say is their triple aim, if you will, is Mm -hmm. flip to pharmacy, act, and then getting paid. Right. And so that's sort of Mm -hmm. CPESN's uh, three goals. And they have like a little um, pie chart showing that. But it, um, it's been really interesting to me because it, it's opened up an opportunity for me to network with other community-based faculty um, and many of whom I knew because a lot of us have like kind of all done residency at the same time or we've networked as residents in the past and, and getting to see too that so many other community pharmacy-based faculty are on their own, just like I am, you know, oh, wow. re- relatively anyways, that we're kind of by ourselves at our institution and so it was really nice to hear that from other people. And sometimes it's just nice to know that you're not struggling alone. Um, and so we've been able to network and and develop ideas. And there's all these work groups coming out of it. You know, faculty, we love a work group, but coming out of it to to join up and make um, uh, an appy syllabus, so APPE for, for fourth year students, make syllabi for them for a specific related practice transformation course oh, um, or or looking at how do we integrate teaching them about the pharmacist e-care plan in the in the didactic curriculum. And so it's been really cool to develop out sort of this blueprint of how pharmacy education can affirm community practice transformation. Right. And that's one of the areas where I think a lot of the flip the pharmacy cohorts have benefited. Mm-hmm. The ones that I've seen that have been the best oh, are yeah. the ones you've where you've got a college professor yeah. working through ACT with them, right? You know, you've got like Mississippi with Jordan, You've got Arkansas and the PPCN oh, yeah, group. Megan. Mm-hmm. You know, Megan and you know Stephanie at PPCN, like they're just fantastic. And they're clearly the better cohorts because they have like an actual plan. They have somebody that's thinking about how to operationalize it. It it's it made a huge difference. So it's really kind of letting yeah. the pharmacies still think about their pharmacy and you have somebody else go to, how do you, how do you run this from a strategy from like, I guess maybe an overall strategy perspective well, and part or of it, implementation stuff. But you know, part of the, like what the faculty have done, like in Jordan's group, they've act as made like this, here's your rubric of how to do it. Mm. Like that's what faculty is yeah. great at. Right. Gotcha. right? And operationalizing so, it. Yeah. And putting a measure. And, yeah, no, I was, I remember you saying that I was like, Super, he's like, hey, some of the big, the ones that are doing really well is where academia is helping them. And I'm like, what? Right. Because I, I remember yeah. I, I took a little break where I taught school for about four years and I constantly got the, this isn't a business. Why do you keep trying to run this like a business? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm like, yeah, it is kind of a business. Kind of like, yeah. the, 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 uh, the students are our customers. Well, not really. Kind of their parents are our customers. I'm like, okay, oh, I'm not winning this. <laughs> right. But, oh, but, gosh, to, the parents. but yeah. to really yeah. see academia taking a really more than educa- more of a, an aggressive role in, in transforming a, a, a business, it, it's huge. And it, it gives you a lot of hope because there's a lot of power back there. There's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of time. Um, yeah. To put well, into I think stuff too, like that? There's, there's some mending that needs to occur with some relationships. I think a lot of 
and not a lot, but I would say there's a there's a a faction of independent pharmacies that have maybe a negative outlook of academia, right? Of like, oh, we're, you know, we're up in our ivory tower saying uh, here's the way that it should be, but okay. it's totally unattainable for reality. Um, and so I think that Flip the Pharmacy and ACT have kind of been helpful in maybe mending some of those relationships or some of those, some of those opinions anyways. And um, it's been really, really unique and, and interesting for me, particularly as an outsider from Mississippi, right? Because I um, came in and just started this job and nobody really knew who I was. Right. And so I feel like I hope that I've been able to show, you know, here's what we, why we want to partner with you, why the university wants to continue to have these relationships with you and try to help you improve your practice and provide the best care that you can. And, and then of course, hopefully get paid for it too. Yes. So, right. right. So what do you take back regularly from, you know, going from independent back into academia, you work two days a week and you're with Bob and your practice site. So how do you take what in theory should be done with how it's actually done in the real world and come back and say, all right, here's how we're going to change our education. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that that's really helpful for me to kind of have one foot in reality and, mm -hmm. and one yeah. foot in the, in the ivory tower or whatever. Um, but to, to really feel like I, I have all of these colleagues around who I can bounce ideas off of and say, okay, here's sort of what we've come up with this process, this per this perfect, like everything goes well way. And I have been able to utilize the, our network pharmacies to say, you know, okay, is this realistic? Can you actually do this? Um, and then also I think it, it helps to show students to even walk through with students and say, okay, here's what we kind of came up with. Here's what the pharmacies said in response to that. And here's how we're meshing those two ideas mm -hmm. and showing students even that it's not always perfect the first go round. Because I think, too, we teach students, this is how you're going to counsel a patient. Right, you're going right. to ask them, you know, the three prime questions, and they're going to respond perfectly in this way. And and so showing this, showing students, too, that it's not always perfect like that um, and how we can still maintain those relationships, I think then also instills in our students when they're out practicing in a couple of years to come back and, and you know, ha they have those problem-solving skills as well. Um, and right. so I think just showing them that part has been most beneficial for me and, and being able to just, I'm much, a, I'm very much to a collaborator. I, I don't like to just say, okay, here's, here's the law of the land. You know, I, I want to say, here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> what do you guys think about it? You know, right. let's maybe walk through it and develop this process together. Um, and so I think my position really feeds well into that because I, I am always having to collaborate because I can't be 100% at both places. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's having to work with the team that's on site and well, because I'm going to be gone some of the days, like literally tomorrow, I won't be there. Right. So y'all right. need to do something about it tomorrow, too, to keep to keep it going. So we're trying to work on some sort of um, filling process. Basically, Bob always says that dispensing prescriptions gets in the way of us caring for patients. And so <laughs> we're trying to figure <laughs> out that. some some better, more efficient way to dispense prescriptions. But we also are getting ready to get a big shipment of COVID vaccines, I think. So like literally this morning, we were kind of brainstorming, talking yeah. about what we're going to do about that next week. Um, CPSN in general is getting a like the whole, yeah. like I think right. y'all are getting a pretty big, big shot. I think everybody's, not everybody, but a lot of people are getting activated. Yeah. So the, they're activating, I think they're like doubling the number of states that they've activated with CPSN this coming up week. Yeah, right. They're getting a big one-time shipment of some Pfizer vaccines as well as increasing their regular weekly allotment. So wow. it's a, um, we're about to really show what we can do. So nice. It's, Good thing we got is, that yeah. import in, right? Yeah. 
I know I've been I've been noticing all the updates that um, that y'all been making for entering vaccines more more efficiently. So I'm looking forward to getting to use some yeah, of that. Yeah, it's huge. You, you know, run just most of these are new patients. Although, yeah, will, will will Bob's be mostly new patients, or will we really try to focus on existing patients? Will you? Will you drive yeah, to so, them? Or? So probably both. We've had, um, so at our, at one of our locations, GNM Pharmacy, we got a hundred doses from the State Department of Health a couple of weeks ago. And I would say that 70 or more of those people were not our existing patients. Oh, wow. Um, so we had to add them, you know, manually into the computer each time. And so, um, so well, I imagine it'll don't. be that the same way for, for Tyson's, but, but Tyson's is different because it's the only independent pharmacy in, in the whole county. Um, and so they really kind of have a, you know, everybody, everybody pretty much goes there for the most part. So <laughs> that's true. maybe it, it won't true. be a lot of new people, but most we'll people see. <laughs> in their County, maybe not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the cool part is, and I was talking to, um, Randy McDonough earlier this week about that, you know, the, this, these COVID clinics that are coming through the independent pharmacies, I mean, it's terrible that we're having to deal with this pandemic, but it's a huge opportunity for these pharmacies. You may get oh, yeah. 100 people a week that have never even seen your pharmacy before. Mm. Like, now's your time to shine, right? Be amazing. Get those vaccines knocked out. Be efficient. And, yep. you know, maybe you've got new customers for life now. Are you yeah. allowed? This is going to sound very like a capitalist. Yeah. I'm like, however, I am one to a degree. Um, can you get marketing rights and all that when you're in there? Or is this something that's probably not a... Yeah, I, is it allowed? I, I mean, you're you're certainly within a business in relationship, federal right? So, so if you got a, um, you know, s- s- you you certainly got some express consent by the fact that they gave you information. Right. So, so if you get a get a patient and they give you their cell phone and their email address, uh, you certainly have. You could certainly message them to say, "Hey, you got your COVID. Have you gotten your Shingrish?" Right. Right. You could ask them that when they got their COVID shot. Hey, let's update your shot records where you are, and then you could text them or email them, say, "Hey, the Shingrish is a good thing." Within care. Okay, gotcha. Uh, within yeah, the, certainly, the realm of certainly care. within care. Now, the farm they filled out when they signed to get their vaccine, you could. I mean, they could give you permission to send them more information about how beneficial. But but the best marketing that's going to happen is the process of giving them While the shot. There. Right. Yeah. Looking around and going, oh, wow, this this looks like a pharmacy. Yeah. These people are nice. Things are yeah. efficient. Um, you know, I, I made a, a appointment. I got here. I got, you know, yeah. it, it executed well. Because right. that's yeah. the proof. You know, those people who then they, they have a bad interaction somewhere else. Now they've got a yeah. they've got a waypoint. Oh, they've probably already go, had enough of those. I'm going to go right? try like, that. Right, yeah. right. You're not probably going to reach out to somebody who went and got a shot to you and say, "Hey, you should use us because we're better," or "Here's a coupon for a six pack of cokes or whatever." But you're setting this framework of the next time they're unhappy, now they've got something to think about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Absolutely. You, you've shown them some green grass over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. the well, and, and you know, like we've had people who were like, who came in and, and I would say that because of the, we set up, um, we use job form and acuity to schedule all of our appointments and get everybody to fill out their forms online. And when they came in, I would say the average time from them walking into our door to us having their shot in their arm was two minutes or less. Nice. Um, and, you know, and they were talking about, gosh, this was so great. My husband actually just went yesterday and he had to get his shot 
and he waited in line for an hour and a half, you know? Yeah. And so oh, yeah. it was just like, yes, that's so great. Yes. Can you, can right. you write that on our Google review? Yeah. yeah. Go write that on yeah. Facebook. So, Put that on so Facebook. We actually used in acuity. You can send a post message to say like, you know, thank you so much. And, and we actually said like, if you had a really great experience, we'd love to hear about it. Please write us on Google or on Facebook. And mm-hmm. um, and we had, we've actually gotten lots of reviews from it and people who talked about how great it was. So nice. it's kind of nice. That's so See, and that's great. thinking. That's thinking right. all through. Yeah. There, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that was uh, all Weston, our, our, um, uh, operations manager. He, he had set all this up. I mean, we've been ready to go to give shots since January. We didn't get the chance until March the 2nd, right. but he was ready to go. And so, I mean, he, I was so impressed with, how how seamless everything was once we actually had the vaccine. All I had to do was show up and put it in people's arms. So it was yeah. great. Have yeah. an experience worth sharing and then make it really easy to share. Yeah, right. That's really yep. smart. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah I was talking to a group and I was like, are y'all collecting emails? And they were like, oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Maybe we should. Well, should we? <laughs> yeah. Should we? We're getting phones for reminders. We'll yeah. get their email too. But right. yeah. The chain certainly will, but it doesn't matter because the experience is going to be bad. You know, the chains yeah. are saying, oh, we're going to see yeah. these new people and we're yeah. going to send them a coupon for a Coke or, or yeah. whatever. And and you're like, yeah, but they came in there and waited an hour and a half. They're yeah. like, you yeah. know, the, yeah. it's a bad experience. You're not building any stickiness there. Well, so. there's a there's a chain pharmacy by my house that's getting ready for COVID shots. And they put like this weird little shack out in the parking lot. And I was like. I don't know if I want to get my COVID vaccine out of a shack. Shack in the park. Like, you'll buy your lunch there. Right. But that's, that's true. Right. Different that's story, like, right? Me and you, Josh, we eat a lot of weird food. I, I will, I will eat a burrito out of a shack. Right. I will not get a healthcare. You've eaten tacos out of an ice cooler off the back of someone's bike. I, I have, in All fact, right, eaten so. the best taco of my life <laughs> out of the back of an igloo cooler on the bridge from Juarez back in El Paso. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. gosh. It was a That's risk amazing. and well, it was worth it. It was a well, risk. Like Mississippi is huge for gas station food. Like every, oh, that's like yeah. the one they're known for is gas station chicken. You know, nice. um, there's actually a really funny um, thing of, oh gosh, Ed Odron when he was coming back to Oxford after he's, you know, he's at LSU now and, and he, and they asked him what, what he missed about Oxford and he goes, oh, that gas station on such and such best <laughs> chicken on a stick I've ever had. You know, and it's like, <laughs> that, he said, that's what he missed the most about Oxford was the chicken on a stick. And so I was like, maybe we should, maybe we should go to the gas stations and give out the vaccines there. Cause everybody's getting their lunches. Yeah. Get your shot, get a chicken on a stick. There you go. Man, that's a great way to get me in there, but I'm a fat kid. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if you, to be fair, if you're going to give me like some gas station barbecue, I'll probably let you give me a shot at yeah. the gas station too. <laughs> you can tell, tell Your me hands are busy, right? Get the yeah, shot. Why right, not? Right. Um, so you, you're also um, over kind of the clinical effort in general in the pharmacy at Tyson. Um, but you were telling me that you're doing um, a little bit of what Amina is doing too with uh, in-clinic stuff. And I know you're probably not over that group, but... Um, yeah. talk a little bit about what you guys are doing, like in, in the provider's office and, and partnering with those guys. Yeah. So we actually have, um, so we have a residency program at the pharmacy and through that, one of our former residents, uh, Austin, he's, um, Austin Crocker, he stayed on with us and ho- sort of his residency business plan was, um, uh, was the, the RX clinic model, if you will, okay. of doing annual wellness visits and chronic care management. And that was his business plan. And so when he was finishing up residency, he pitched that to Bob and, and they kept him on. And so he um, started going into clinics and and he's in, I think he's in four clinics now. So wow. we sort of have two clinical arms. We sort of have a in-clinic arm and a in-the-pharmacy arm. And so I'm definitely more involved in the pharmacy because that's where I'm where I'm mostly positioned. 
uh, physically located at least. And so Austin really heads up our um, clinic arm, if you will. And so our resident is also engaged in that. We've just brought on another pharmacist to spend um, part-time with the clinic pharmacy mm -hmm. and part-time with our pharmacy clinical, if you will, kind of backwards things. But, um, and so just, so it's really, it's been really successful. I think anyways, the, the patients love it. We're doing remote patient monitoring with blood pressure machines. And, um, nice. he has, he actually has more providers that have signed on with that part because they just really want to get that data from their patients and make sure that they're taking care of them. Um, cool. The cool thing in, in Mississippi, they recently just passed a law that goes into effect, I believe in January, or maybe it's July. Anyways, I think it's July that, um, that opens up collaborative practice for us. So used to our collaborative practice law oh. in Mississippi was only That's one, funny. it was one to one to one. So yeah. one pharmacist, yeah. one patient, one provider, yeah. um, but they, and specifically in community mm. practice, like that's what it said. And it, it, in health system practice, it could be open. Whatever. Yeah. 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 You see a lot of, a lot of, a lot of maps I see has Mississippi blocked out. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to pharmacy and practice. I know. And I, I don't know why that is. I mean, I feel like we, there used to be a lot of things I've, you know, there were, there's a lot of old laws that are still on the books that are just, there was too much red tape around them. And so the uptake by pharmacists wasn't very high because mm. the documentation and whatever was required by the law was too much. But, you know, I feel like we're really starting to kind of push in that direction and um, are just hope, hopefully seeing, you know, some really strong advances with that. And I think that's really going to change our RPM service if our pharmacists are able to make adjustments to medications based on wow. the patients, right. you know, at home monitoring. That'll be so helpful for for us and for our patients ultimately, right? Because Mississippi is is terribly rural in that, you know, every everybody's rural, even the big cities yeah. are rural. Right. And so I think this is really going to change the way that our patients are able to consume healthcare and, and truly get the, the care that they need. I mean, we're, we're first in a lot of things that you don't want to be first in first in obesity, first in diabetes, first in hypertension. Um, and so I hope that, you know, that this will really help these sorts of services and, and appropriate compensation for them and right. for pharmacists to want to do them to be properly incentivized to do them will, um, will really help is to improve mean, care for patients. Is that, um, is the revenue model there uh, incident to billing, billing on the behalf of the doctor and a rev share kind of piece. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So the, the physician bills and they've just delegated the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It, this kind of feels like that moment when you started to see hospitals, decentralized pharmacy, you know, so um, you used to see just pharmacy lived true. in the basement making and, yeah. IVs and sending stuff up. Right. right? Yep. And then you saw a couple of the teaching hospitals start to put a remote pharmacy or a satellite pharmacy on different floors, like your ICU, yeah. your med surge. And it turns out having a pharmacist in that care team works out really well. And now I, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a hospital anywhere that doesn't have right. some kind of decentralized pharmacy services. Oh yeah, almost all of them do. Yeah, what's interesting yeah. to think about that is hospitals didn't do that because they had to. And they probably didn't even do that based on income potential. They really did that. And, and that's probably for some hospitals, not their main way of thinking. When they move yeah. staff and people around, they're moving staff and people around for economics. So they really had to have done that, just had to have been blown away by the change mm -hmm. in care. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're 100%. Just making better decisions altogether. Right. Um, 
So that's interesting. What are the providers? Um, not to like harp on this too much, but no, yeah, go ahead. what's the what's the big draw on the providers? I'm just thinking through like if I'm somebody's listening and I'm like, man, I'd like to get into that, um, and I think I have some providers in my area that would be interested in it and supplement revenue for them. What what are the providers really interested in when when you're when you're going to them with a service? And I think I think everybody has different motivations. And so one of the interesting things about Mississippi too is that we have um, independent practice for nurse practitioners. So they don't have they so they can own their own practices. And so that's where because that a lot of our rural providers are nurse practitioners in their own clinics. And so that's where we've seen the most success. We do have. Um, a physician practice clinic that we're in two days a week. And I think, you know, everybody's got different motivations, but I think for most it's the no, having a really hard time. And, and this is what we learned from Amina because we went and we took her classes. We did the um, uh, Avant Institute right. with her and yep. we even did the, PD, the the class before she even had Avant Institute through PDS. And um, so we've been kind of planning and we, we call it watering the bamboo. I think that's what Amina calls it too, of how it takes bamboo like four years to grow after oh, okay. you plant it. Like, um, so <laughs> we've been watering our bamboo for a really long time, but oh, okay. we, um, you know, I think it's all different, but a lot of them I think is that they, they don't have a very strong understanding of how and why they are being paid what they're being paid. Right. Um, so with, you know, with things like MIPS and, and the, yeah. their new quality measures. And so, when, when Austin walks in there saying, I know all about MIPS and here's your quality metrics, I can run a report and tell you what exactly you're deficient on and here's wow. how we can help you get there, oh, wow. right? And so it's not just, hey, partner with us because we'll bring you more money. It's, hey, we have a solution for you mm-hmm. that will fix your problems. And that's, um, but that's him working in the pharmacy. He can't do that more remote? Yeah, so he's actually, he goes physically to their clinics. Okay. So he spends uh, three days a week physically in clinics doing um, Medicare annual wellness visits. And then, but also he can do stuff from the pharmacy now too. And particularly with COVID they've, they've relaxed a lot of their rules and allowed a lot more telehealth. And so that has been really nice, honestly, to reach more patients and and to reach them where they are. But yeah, so the RPM though, we even have um, pharmacy technicians who are helping to support that service and um, really advancing their role too, which is something that I'm very passionate about is advancing the role of technicians to, Right. to better support pharmacists. So that's so, so for your like sync calls and things like that, they, they turn a little different for your RPM yeah. patients, I imagine. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we have all this extra data now, right. When we're making yeah. our sync calls um, and that's who's, that's who's supporting our, our RPM and, and CCM program is our sync callers. So they already know these patients, they have relationships with them and maybe their phone calls went from two minutes to now 20 minutes. Right. right. Wow. And they have the plan of care that the physician has developed along right. with our pharmacists. And the tech, the technicians help support us through that plan of care. And they, they check in with the patients, they document stuff for us. They have algorithms that they go through that says, you know, at this level, I escalate up to pharmacist or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and so it's, it's just been really awesome too, to watch our technicians grow. Um, and of course, as a faculty member, I'm always interested in the development of others. And so watching our technicians develop, it's, it's just been really, really phenomenal, um, and seeing the relationship that they have with our patients and, and how that's really impacting care. So how do you replicate that, right? If, yeah. if, if we had 20,000 pharmacies run like Bob's and Amina's and stuff like this in the country, I, the cost of healthcare, the way it would go down in this, oh, this, yeah. this yeah. the substantive change, um, I, I think you'd see some of the big chains stop doing pharmacy. 
mm-hmm. right? It just that big of an impact. How do you do that? How do you? I, you know, I don't know. I think one of, one of my favorite things about Bob is that he's always willing to take a chance. And I think you have to be willing to risk a little bit first yeah. to, to jump into something like that, right? To say, okay, I'm going to hire yeah, this I'm gonna, pharmacist. Yep. I'm going to hire no, a fairly expensive person I agree 100%. To, yeah. to build a business. And so yeah. you have to be willing to take a risk. And I think a lot of business owners aren't necessarily yep. um, willing to do that. And so that's, that's part of it too. But I think too, just so many and Bob always and I he, he's I'm gonna probably steal in some of his material because I know he's gonna come and do a podcast with y'all soon. But um, he always says there there's people who either want to change and don't know what to do, um, they don't want to change and they're just digging their heels in, or they just don't care, right? And right. so so, but I think there's a bigger majority of those people who want to change and just don't know what to do. Yeah. Yep. And. I think this year in particular has been even harder on that group of people because they haven't been able to go to shows and do the networking that they might've done with, with other folks and just um, really seeing those opportunities that are out there. And so again, I think that goes back to what can schools of pharmacy do to help them innovate and to show them. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I visited a pharmacy this week who they've probably been open for about a year um, doing about 50 a day, but by every indication they should be killing it. They're just swamp. They're in a, in a, just a big group of doctors everywhere, right? When you look at them on Google, doctor's office, doctor's office, doctor's office, doctor's office, dermatologist, doctor, doctor, yeah. 85% Medicare in the area. Wow. They, they should be killing it and they're not. And, and, and so what is trying to learn from them? Why, what are some things they're doing? What are things they've tried? Where are they going for information? Uh, this kind of thing. And cause you know, we want to help probably, you know, we, mm-hmm. we probably open four or 500 a year, uh, new people like that. And, and one of the things though, that I saw was, well, we had an opportunity to do this, right? This was, we had an opportunity to get some COVID vaccines, but you know, I'm the only pharmacist here and oh, I was worried I'd get too it. busy and, and couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. And, and what was interesting, I was at a different pharmacy about a month before that guy we've had on a podcast. And one of his things we really stressed was my answer is Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I figure it out. Yeah. Right. I, t- I, t- and, I totally agree. It, it should always be a yes. And then and, figure it and out. Then, you know, she could have hired a yeah. group those together, hired, you know, an LPN for a day, something, get those people in there. Um, so, so really you're right. Some of that's attitude and, and how do you help people with that? How do you help them? Mm-hmm. There's a motivation piece to realize that, um, nice, nice, uh, lady and, and, and her husband. Um, and, and when they get people in, they stay. You know, they're not yeah. having problems yeah. uh, maintaining people because they're doing a good job. They're fast and they're friendly. And I watched her do a little counseling that she was it's very, very well, well done. But they they need yeah. to say yes. And they need to get in touch with them. COVID's been rough with them. Mm-hmm. But they need right. to get in touch with and, and learn about what, you know, they don't know about, uh, you know, the stuff that you could do in the pharmacy. And they probably should have another thing the guy – then the guy I had been probably a month before started off about a hundred scripts a day. He's at three fifty, you know, he already. And his other yeah. thing was, I'm never going to be behind the bench. He, you know, he got the store and he hired, a, even though he's a pharmacist, he hired a pharmacist and yeah. he's out every day working every angle. You know, they see him in the public health department mm-hmm. once a month going and, and going, how can I help you? Another right. thing was, this couple was doing was they're going around saying, Hey, help us out. Send us some patients. No, oh, yeah. Right? Will you put our card yeah. here? Well, no, you got to be in there going. Yeah. 
How can Tell I help you? Tell them why they should be right. sending patients yeah. to you. What are your, yeah. what are your problems? Yeah. Hey, you know, do you have some patients who are really hurting your scores? All right. Send me, yeah. uh, how about, how about, rec- you know, sending me some of those? Um, yeah. So it's just frustrating sometimes when you see that this can be done so well and, and mm-hmm. how do we get more people doing it? And some of those things, the flip the pharmacy and there, there are certainly things, uh, CPSN has been a, been a big, big part. You've been a big part. Yeah, we, we talk all the time about, and I think this, I can't remember what book is this, this is from, and maybe um, somebody can figure that out while we're talking about it, but the, um, you know, talking about working on your business, not in your business. And I think that's what so many independent pharmacy owners do. They are the pharmacists. So they are in their business right, every single right. day instead of being able to work on it and, and really grow it and, and, mm-hmm. and have that vision for what it should be or what it could be. Um, and really take that opportunity. I mean, it's, is it good to great? What, what book is that from? I, 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 I mean, I can quote good to great pretty darn good. I don't good. think that's good to great. I don't think that's good to great though. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people that's, that's an easy, you know, when they're, when they're funding their pharmacies, easy to think about, Hey, well, I don't have to hire a pharmacist first. I'm a pharmacist. Right. I get that pay. And, right. and they don't really think, Hey, what I really needed to do first is go ahead and invest. I'm borrowing some money. I needed to borrow another X and I yeah. needed to not be, working in the pharmacy at first, be the backup, mm-hmm. be the person, um, but be available. And so I think that, you know, we're talking entrepreneurship in, mm-hmm. in the college environment is we're talking to people who are open in pharmacies. Um, yeah. and, and we open a lot. It's one of the things we might, you know, here are some tips. Yeah. And, and how do you make it like what you're saying, Jordan, less scary? You know, yeah. it's, right. it's, it's talking to people who've done it before reading things like what they've done and things like that. Right. You're, you're right. Being able to find out how, how did you do this and networking is right. important. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and some of it maybe, you know, we've, we've pushed, you know, AACP and other pharmacies to teach care plans yeah. in pharmacy school. Great. I remember the first time I made a business plan was in business school. Yeah. Right. And I took a pharmacy administration elective in pharmacy school and there was no business planning. No. Right. You know, and some places do a really good job. Like NCPA does their, um, mm-hmm. oh, the their deal with, yeah, yeah, where like the student groups get together and they yeah, build like a business, business plan, plan competition. And yeah. those are great, but yeah, you know, you're graduating 120 kids a year that all they're being taught to do is clinical management of patients, not how to run a business. Yeah. We, we have the elves in the control box. It's, it's the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Oh, is that okay. who did the uh, the work in your versus on your business? Yeah. Work on your business versus in your okay. business? Okay. I never right. read that book, so Jordan's I don't know where like, I don't know where I, I, don't know where I, got <laughs> I don't know. Somebody, uh, I'm with you. Like, I'll just, uh, yeah. You hear so, something, you latch onto it. Yeah. 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 I'm so uh, I'm sure it's quoted a lot. When somebody says something <laughs> smart, people yeah. tend to tend to repeat it. Yeah. Right. You know, wonder, and, and I'm just pontificating, but, you know, one of the things we do with new stores and how we train them, what if every other month we had a boot camp, a, oh, a two-day cool. boot camp for our new stores, and we really taught them cool. how to use the software, but we, but we included <laughs> entrepreneurial material yeah. about what they should be doing, maybe a, a couple hours of, of a Avant Institute, yeah. and we put together a little package that was, hey, if you're opening a Pioneer Pharmacy, I mean, 300 Have a year. Have seen or been involved in the NCPA, CPESN fellowship that they're doing this year? I've heard about it. I, yeah. I, I only so, just kind of know about it surface level. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, it's like a series of master classes, if you will, about nice. clinical management, right? Okay. So ab- about for, for these individuals, it's a year long thing and they do, they meet like every other month or so, um, every few weeks and, and they talk about different clinical things. And so maybe you could do something like that. Um, some sort of fellowship, if you will, in entrepreneurship, that'd be kind of cool. 
Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, it's just when we look, we we have the money that needs to be spent to teach them our software. Yeah. What if we intermix that with, and and a lot of them aren't going live when we teach them, right? They're mm-hmm. they're getting the software mm-hmm. and they're getting ready and go yeah. live depends on when they can get when contracts, they can get contracts and stuff. In and all so that, you have right. more flexible how you could do that education. So and if we can make it kind of 50-50, uh, get them get them mm-hmm. knowledge and, and pumped up and right. maybe a couple of pinches of PDS and a couple of bits. Yeah, yeah. You're just chef. making a little, yep. little smorgasbord, yeah, uh, charcuterie all, all board. Yeah, little, little pixie dust. Charcuterie or yeah. whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that, fancy enough no, to know I, that word. All right. I think you did pretty good. <laughs> so, that, that's pretty impressive. From I, know. I like it. Marsha's culturing <laughs> <Yeah>. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so you're originally, so you're not, so you're a transplant, right? Let, yeah. Let, let me get yeah. into to you a little bit. You're from, you said North Carolina. What are you doing? What do you do? I know you're a big college. I followed your Twitter. Oh um, yeah. I feel like you're really heavy into college sports, and you own I a am. Peloton bike. I've stalked a little bit. Wow. I do, yeah. Um, so I, I grew up on the coast of North Carolina, so I'm a beach kid, um, and so being this landlocked has been very difficult for me. But I've been here oh. for about five years now, so I'm. I'm kind of getting used to it, but yeah. So I grew up like water sports, you know, we were, we were on the boat every weekend. Um, that was, that was sort of our family thing. And, and it still is, even when I go home, we, we are on the boat immediately, pretty much like two years ago, I was, um, we went on the boat like on Christmas day, you know? So it's like, it's just always beautiful. <laughs> uh, where where, uh, where um, on, where on North Carolina coast? It's called Moorhead city. Moorhead. So it's, okay. um, it's the southernmost part of the outer banks. So how so far is that from like there. Wilmington? Yeah, so we're we're probably like an hour and a half north of Wilmington. Okay. Um, and so and then about an hour, I would say we're halfway between like Cape Hatteras and Wilmington, if that's helpful for geography. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so so here I'm. Yes, I I love athletics. My I'm one of three girls, so I always say my dad kind of raised me as the son that he's never had, and <laughs> and taught me all about sports and nice. um and all that stuff. So I I love college sports. I and I attend a lot of Ole Miss things. I I'm an NC State fan. That's where I went to. Okay. Um, my undergraduate. So I I'm a big fan of um, and we may need to edit this out, but I'm a big fan of mediac mediocre teams. So I like <laughs> NC State. And now I'm here at Ole Miss. We're keeping that in. I'm gonna I, always I, I, I like I the. Came, I came into Ole Miss as they became mediocre, so they've had heydays before. It's, it's like it wasn't say, my fault. They, were, they weren't always <laughs> it wasn't like my that. Fault, yeah, right, right. It's nice to see somebody on the rise, right? Yeah. The yeah. the the wolf on the top of the hills, never hungry, as That's as the right. wolf's trying there to get to the top, right? So yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, I, I so I'm a big fan. I have season football tickets, go to um, baseball games, and everything here too. So, oh, and then of course basketball. Being from North Carolina, you can't. Um, How do you not? Yeah, yeah. Right. There and not love. They, they've produced a few good, and players. they've got one of like yeah. I think the like coolest runs of in history back in like the eighties or whatever it was. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with Jimmy V and, yeah, with Jimmy um, v and you know, all that. And he's running, running around the court. Yeah. And yeah everyone knows so that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows that. Like yeah. So, um, yeah. And then I got a Peloton bike during quarantine. Like I think every other person <laughs> yeah. in America, yeah, I don't and, know that every other um, person got a Peloton. You must've got one yeah. early. Yeah. yeah. Cause they're, they're hard. I to think find. a lot of people tried yeah. during uh, COVID. Yeah. I, I got a four month wait on mine. Oh, you're getting a COVID. Well, you're getting a bike too. My, just the, the tonal. It oh, was yeah. like a four month. Josh wait. got a tonal. Oh yeah. That, that's like the, the, the mirror yeah. on the wall. Yeah. The yeah it looks it, like mounts cool. to the wall. Really cool. But you know, all of them are, I don't know if you had a two or three month wait on your Peloton as well, but it's just I think it's about six weeks. So not, not, no, too, not bad too bad you, when I got yeah, it. You kind of caught it early then. Yeah. yeah. You got the bike, right? 
Yes, I did get the bike, and so it's that's been a lot of fun. I'd never taken a spin class before. I um, I got it. I oh, just really? Like, you went all in I then? I could do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went all in. So, and I love it. I I do it pretty much every day. It's great. It's amazing all the money. It's one of the things you uh, one of the bankers said to me was, you know, economy wise, sure, you know, restaurants were down, movies were down, but people were spending more money. The right. economy was in a different place, but the money yeah. was, was still Went getting spent. Else. You know, we have the containers, you know, the shortage of shipping. People are buying so much stuff that it's hard to get a shipping container uh, yeah. to ship stuff around the, oh, the really? world. So yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. Okay. No, there's and a big like, shortage. Shortage of plastics, shortage of polymers, all the stuff that we buy that don't come yeah. pre-made yeah yeah if you're in a business of shipping stuff over from overseas huh. uh we That's ordered what uh, peloton said their problem was yeah was shipping it's all supply, supply yeah, chain they're getting made fine no it's actually mm-hmm. physically getting it from one place or another there aren't enough ships and containers the containers oh, wow. on the ship we mm-hmm. had uh my wife and i bought a chair uh november october yeah, that's right yeah you did say and that. it's like yeah, just here it is, March. <laughs> they're waiting for a container. At a lot this of, point, you could have like learned carpentry. I, built it yeah, I, was saying, I, I could have envisioned it and gone to an upholstery place and had it made here right. in the United States. But um, yeah, so it's super interesting. All the all the little flexion points in our society. I mean, we had that with electricity in Texas, right? Oh, we were yeah. in five yeah. five yeah. minutes or so of being blacked out in the state for a month. Uh, yeah. it, when you think about how our economy and how everything yeah. is so fragile, so just in time and one little place, push here, push mm-hmm. there, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and we can talk a little bit about nonsense facts, but so beavers are what's called a keystone species. <laughs> and Man, we really are going nonsense. <laughs> no, uh, All right, yeah. let's do this. I would <laughs> not have, <laughs> if, you'd have, if you'd have given me a one to 10, what he was, 10, 10, I would ten, have thought ten, beavers were coming, ten man. Things, what was coming. I, I would I, not in 10 guesses have guessed beavers. I promise you so, it's coming right back. So It, it will okay, make sense okay. in a moment. All right, give, me, give, me, give him a chance. He, he did disclaim it with for nonsense, so yeah. give him a chance. we're going. I'm ready. So beavers are considered a keystone species, right? And what that means is they're, they don't look as important to the ecosystem as they are, but because they exist and the things that they do, like chew down trees that were easy targets, so they're dying, diseased, whatever. And then when they dam the, the water, they end up creating filters. So water pre-dam versus post-dam is it's much cleaner, drinkable. So in you know, initially people would come in and they would try and remove the beavers as nuisance critters and find out that all of their things got worse, right? Their crops didn't do Mm. well. Their water was less drinkable. They got more disease from it. And so they like, we realized how important beavers were. So you don't really move them when they, they set up their deal. So it's just weird that like something so small, when you remove it from an equation, just completely disrupts everything else. Yeah. And that's kind of how what, what we've seen, like all these small things that we took for granted, like toilet, day shipping, toilet paper, right, toilet paper, <laughs> right? like, those simple things. Yeah. Right. The simple things that you never, you know, when you went to the grocery store, you never thought, man, maybe I should buy 10 rolls of toilet paper instead of four. Are you still yeah, getting your mass shipment? No, no. I, I got my last one. They told me they're not doing this again. That was funny. Um, Instead, everybody just started spending their money on bidets instead of toilet paper, right? I, like I, bidets I almost, are making a huge comeback in America because I, I'll of say no I bought paper. one. You did buy one. I did you bought a one. bidet. I did. Like I, like a thing that like an add-on, or did you have to replace the whole? No, toilet? no I, I bought an add-on. There was like this group um, on Kickstarter that had some, and I couldn't find toilet paper anywhere because 
my this is where you pay the price of talking trash to your wife. <laughs> she would always buy toilet paper when you went to the grocery store. And for a while, we had a closet full of toilet paper. This, and is, like, this is stupid. You don't need that much toilet paper. Yeah. And so, then COVID happened. Yes, and I looked like a fool because we had no toilet yep. paper. Yep. So so the title of the show should be Bidets and Beavers? <laughs> Probably not. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. I think we'll we do. need to edit that one we'll out. We might. <laughs> Thank God this is edited. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, Jess is vindicated. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right. We just, yes. Oh, Madison just thought of the next business. <laughs> yeah. Bidets, beavers, and beyond. And other I, things yeah. I didn't realize. So you mentioned you'd been in Mississippi for five years. So yeah. I must have, so I've been at Pioneer now almost five years. So I must have met you like Early, right at yeah. the beginning. Yep. Neither yeah. of us had any idea what we were getting into. Nope, not at all. I remember getting to go because I, I came out to that. Um, we had like a work group with early e-care plans, right? Mm-hmm. And like learning all about that. And um, I remember being there and being like, I, I do not belong in this group. <laughs> like I am not, I am not important enough. I am not cool enough to be here with these people. Um, and it was just so, yeah. I mean, but that was early. I think I'd been here for a year at that point. So it was really early on. Yeah. yeah Cause that I, was about I six still months feel like year. that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do all the time. Yeah. I'm never cool I think, enough. I think imposter My, syndrome is so rampant in our culture. It's, it really is. It's yeah. what it is. Well, My, I mean, I, I talk about keystone species. Well, so. I, I, I also have kids that tell me I am not cool. At all, yeah. so. okay. That's what kids are for, though. I think is to tell you that you're not really cool, to take so. you down a peg. Yeah, like, when yeah. I'm feeling myself a little bit, I just go hang out with my kids, and then I'm yeah. like, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just remembered that I was the only male clarinetist in in the band. <laughs> only male so. clarinetist. That was nice. All right, I, I never feel that cool. <laughs> Yeah, I need Definitely. to come see you. I yeah, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while, so I need to come, come see how it's changed and how many businesses oh, yeah. next door Bob's bought. Was, <laughs> yep. <laughs> how many more to, buildings do we to, own? To yeah. expand, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I usually went to Mississippi at least once a year for the flip the pharmacy meeting, and mm-hmm. it's been eighteen months now. I guess. So, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, my guess is that uh, Cardinal went virtual. So, yeah, my guess the next Marisource would be next. I think no, Marisource has been virtual for a while. Oh, okay, my bad. So, my guess the next big one, and and even I, I talked to a guy this week who said that uh, NACDS is probably going to go virtual, and and it's in August, and, and not necessarily huh. because of pharmacists, but because of sponsors. You right. know, the, mm-hmm. a lot of the retailers. Their their oh. businesses won't let them travel. They've made a policy yeah. or something. They have a where policy, and that and it's not a through this. It's you can't travel till right. further notice, and further right. notice hasn't happened. I got you. Right. Yeah. So my guess, the first big thing's gonna be NCPA, and I bet it's gonna yeah. be huge. God, that's gonna be so. NCPA's yeah. in October now. Yeah, in, in Charlotte. Yeah, oh. and in Charlotte. That's so right. I was gonna yeah. say because Assembia is in October as well. So. Assembia moved to October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did. it's gonna be wild. That's right. MHA went virtual. Yeah. Yeah, I bet as soon as people can get out, like I can tell you right now that as soon as I get my second vaccine, I'm marching out two weeks and it's on. <laughs> and, like, it's on. And, it's on. Like, <laughs> and it's on. Anything after that. And it's on. I know. It's like they need to just do like no education sessions at NCPA, just all networking. <laughs> yeah. All networking the whole time. We'll meet you at the bar. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. I think it's going to be really yeah. well attended and a good opportunity. So it'd be a good mm-hmm. opportunity for. Yeah. Some positive stories out of COVID. So I think people, oh, you know, sure. hopefully the vaccinations will be caught up by then. Yeah. October things mm-hmm. should be pretty, should be pretty stable. Probably get in a mindset of boosters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you look at how right. many doses, um, you know, probably yeah. need to be what doing the, those. Yeah. What does the booster like situation look like? Is it still, I mean, still TBD, but okay. you know, Unknown, yeah. 
Really? It's we're probably looking at there's a yearly well, COVID booster at some point. And if you don't have to do it for the whatever twelve months, sixteen right. months, eighteen months, it's going to be because of variants. Right. You're going to have to have mm-hmm. some type mm-hmm. of uh, right. kind of like the flu gotcha. does, kind mm-hmm. of kind of variant. Right. Yeah. You're going to have some kind of predictive yep. cycle yeah. and say, hey, we got to cover you know the Brazilian variant this week or this year. And right. Like All right. So smart people. Um, Where it, you are smart people. <laughs> Uh, Jordan, faculty. Jordan, really. Jordan, yeah. Jordan. So, could you do a flu vaccine the way they that Pfizer and the Moderna, mRNA. the MR, mRNA? Yes. Could you yeah. do that faster oh, yeah. than you yeah. do the annual regular flu? Potentially, I know there's still some research in it. The group, specific, specifically the BioNTech group, they were initially developing the mRNA technology to do um, cancer vaccines, right? And so they're kind of pivoting back into that group now. But in theory, almost any of the the regular vaccines that we get specifically that work similar like coronavirus and flu would be good targets for mRNA. Yeah. Yeah. Because and then you might, could you, could that be a single shot then? Like your mix of That's flu, your mix say. of the- some research in single shot of, of flu COVID annual mm-hmm. booster. I've heard some research in that. So. Especially if you did right. the same way. Yeah. I mean, because today your flu vaccine is really a combination of four, right? right. You get three, yeah. three A's and a B. But that is, is that based on like a monkey virus? What's the, the flu? Why do they, how do they do that? Uh, so they do epidemiology studies in that. And so they basically guesstimate yeah, the it's, four it's, most likely It's a projection strains. on yeah, what the it, strains it's are It's a dead be. virus. It's a... Uh, Correct. It, it's, it's oh, a, yeah, it's inactivated. It's yeah. inactivated. But like the, like the Johnson & Johnson is, um, is a cross-species. Correct. Is a different type of right. a, a virus that doesn't really affect us bad. Right. That they make like it. That's right. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you for my education. I'm just just <laughs> things I'm curious about. All that stuff I did not know and won't well, retain. Yeah. Won't retain. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Like, and we'll and forget immediately. I might. This call I might. Is. And I'm sure that almost no one who listens to this podcast would believe that mRNA has any effect on DNA at all. It does not. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mRNA Noted. affects protein synthesis, not DNA. So. Yeah. No changing your DNA. No control. Noted. No. 5G. The microchip has been there for a while. Well, Jordan, thank you. Your your smile thank is you. infectious. I think really we, we oh, laughed hey. more here today having you here than we normally do. So I think we'll probably get a big kudos from our team yeah. after this. So we so appreciate you and uh, all you do and looking forward to getting to see you again. Yeah, thanks. Me cool. too. Right. Good to see y'all. All right. Bye, Bye Jordan. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow PioneerRx on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.